Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Electric cars are the hottest thing in motoring, but it's really, really hard to get one. And there's still quite a lot of questions that many people have around cost, range, and public charging points. Now, I'm actually thinking of buying one. I've been to see a few dealers in the last few weeks. So here to answer a few questions around this whole process is Geraldine Herbert, motoring correspondent. Hi, Geraldine. Hi, Adrian. Geraldine, before we get into it, a couple of quick questions. And just off the top of your head, if I was to spend, say, €40,000, what's a good model? I would say the best-selling one at the moment is, and in that price range, and in, actually in any price range, the Ionic 5 from Hyundai, it only came in towards the end of last year, so it's really just kind of gone on sale since January. It's price-wise, I think it's just under the 39k mark, but it's hugely successful for them because it's just a really good That's car. That's with the small battery, right? Yeah, there is a bigger battery. Now, Kia also have a very similar version of the same car, um, the EV6. They are only selling it with the higher end battery. So it's I think they're they're in the market at 50K. So, I mean, they are expensive options, but I think the Hyundai offers, because not everybody needs a big battery, um, Adrian, and I certainly wouldn't advise people to go for the longest range. They have to be reasonable and realistic about how much you need and only buy and pay for what you actually need. So I think the, the smaller battery is actually a really good option. And that, I think, is one of the most exciting entrance to the market at the moment okay just to be completely clear i need a big battery so i'm shopping at the moment for one and what's important to me is to be able to get to different parts of the country in one hop without stopping Mm. using a motorway so i'm looking for larger battery so i've been looking around volkswagen's id4 i've been looking at the ionic 5 i've been looking uh kia's ev6 they tell me there won't be one for a, a year um, in, in terms of the dealers that uh, I've gone to, I've been looking at Volkswagen's ID3, the long range battery. Um, mm. Just in terms of a few of the mechanics around it, home chargers, typically, how much do they cost? Okay, there's a grant for 600 euros. Now, mm-hmm. I have spoken to people recently who had their entire installation covered with that and didn't have to put anything out uh, more to it. I spoke to other people to put two, 300 towards it. So mm-hmm. it really depends on your own setup, Adrian. If you have a very straightforward driveway and there's nothing very complex about it and they can install the charger, you should be able to do it for the 600 euros. The problem is if you have any sort of a complex driveway or complex setup, that can add a few hundred to it. So you may have to put extra to it. Okay, the biggest thing that I hear in terms of uh, electric vehicles is range. Now, Dublin to Cork is 260 kilometers. It's about two and a half hours if, if you're to drive it. Is there any EV that can do that in one go at 120 kilometers per hour? 
Well, I mean, there are EVs on the market at 500 kilometers, but again, it comes down to your driving style and it comes down to whether. So just to to parse that though. Yeah, just to parse that. So 500 kilometers. So for example, the model I'm looking at, there's say the Volkswagen ID4, that comes in two uh, larger batteries uh, variations. There's a family model, which says has a range of 520 kilometers. And then there's a slightly sportier one called the GTX. Mm -hmm which is 480 kilometers. Do you think either of those could do that 260 kilometer motorway trip in one go? No, I wouldn't think so. I think you'd definitely be looking okay. at charging it somewhere simply because they're, you know, these are under ideal conditions, no more than the fuel mm. consumption you get on your car. You know, that the figures that are rated on your car, yeah. it's really, really hard to match that. Is Do you think there's any electric car that can do, do you think there's any electric car that can do Dublin to Cork via motorway 260 kilometers in one go? Um, there, I mean, look, if, if it says it can do 500 kilometers, it's obviously possible to do it. I'm sure if you drove it in a certain mm. style and you like get the maximum out of the range, you can do that. The only thing I would say is always add, add in the fact that you aren't going to always drive under the ideal conditions. There are going to be things that draw yeah. and you could, you know, and depending on the speed you drive it as well, that's going to make a difference. But I would say nobody drives 500 kilometers plus in one go, Adrian. You're going to have to stop for no, something. No, no, but, uh, but from Dublin to Cork, it's Dublin to Cork is 260 kilometers. And an awful lot of people would drive that. They drive from Drada to Cork. That's about three hours. That's about 310 kilometers. A lot of people would do that in one go. And they may only have, you know, two and a half, three, three and a half hours. They may not want to drag it out to four or five hours. I'm just wondering. It, so what we're saying then is if you want to drive from Dublin to Cork, you will either need to factor in another, I don't know, 40 minutes somewhere, an hour into the journey or maybe you need to drive at 20 30 kilometers below the speed limit no that's not what i'm saying Adrian. what i'm saying is you'll get down in one go absolutely no problem with that but when you get down you there you will have to charge it yeah i actually do that trip now i do it from nace as opposed to dublin but i go down to cork yeah. quite regularly and i have various electric cars and i can never you know i don't plan what i have i just it, I happen to have it booked in at the time yeah. um, and i do it regularly so you do have to find now i would only be down in cork for about an hour and a half two hours on the most but you do have to find some sort of a charger just to top up when you're down there. That's what I would advise. But you will most definitely get down there and get back. So, but, but, but just just to be clear, what we're saying, because I think I've taken you up wrong, you can actually make it mm. from Dublin to Cork in one go. But you won't make it back without charging somewhere. But at the yeah. same time, you're, like, you're not going to yeah. go down to Cork, yeah. collect an envelope, jump back into your car and drive back. Well, I'm sure that would be quite rare. You probably are going to be there for at least a half an hour to an hour or whatever. So you're going to grab a cup True. of coffee. So you can build it in there. So it's not that difficult. I mean, the, you know, those are the things you can do. Mm. But even if it says 520 kilometers, you won't probably get down and back without stopping. That's what I'm saying. Be realistic yeah. about that. But you'll certainly get down. For, from... What I have seen, and from people I know who own EVs, they say that once you hit a motorway, you can take about anywhere between 25, 30% and 40, 45% off what the official range is. Because the range I think they use is, I think it's called the WLTP, which is, uh, I have a note, the Worldwide Harmonized Light Vehicle Test Procedure. And that apparently is a test that they do uh, over an hour and a half, uh, 80 kilometers split between urban, rural and motorway. So it, it's it's not designed to represent if you were just hitting motorway 
the whole way. Um, no, that WLTP is also though applied to fuel cars. So that that was a new standard that was mm. brought in about three, I think it was 2018. It was to replace a very, very bad system that they had. So it's a far more accurate mm. and it's supposed to be real world um, driving conditions. Having said that, again, as I said, these are fairly ideal conditions. What I would say in terms mm. of driving on a motorway, if you do 120, you are going to see quite a reduction. But if you can set your cruise control and you can keep it at about 100, you can really, um, you, you shouldn't see a massive impact on um, on your range. And I think like 100 kilometers on a, on a motorway is not that much, you know, it's not going to make that much of a difference to your journey in terms of time. So that's what oh, I'd advise God. you to well, do. Obviously, you, you and I drive slightly differently on motorways. Um, you know what I'm saying uh, in terms of convenience of just sticking with your range and not having the hassle of having to charge. I often think to myself, do you know what? It's easier to drive at 100 than 120 mm. for the sake of it. So that's why no, no, I, I, cruise I, control is I, definitely I, worth yeah, it. Uh, which I use all the time. And, and if it came down to a choice between driving at 100k on a motorway or driving at 120k and having to stop, I'd probably choose the 100k. But I guess what I'm getting at is, are these some of the compromises that you need to be thinking of if you're thinking from a petrol or diesel car to a electric car? Again, Adrian, it comes down to the fact of how often are you on a motorway? And, you know, if you're only doing a short 30 kilometer spin on the motorway, mm. then I wouldn't worry about doing 120 because you have more yep. than enough. But if you're doing regular journeys yep. to Cork or regular long journeys, then you will have to consider these things. But I think in fairness, if you look at the CSO and the travel survey and sort of if you map the sort of journeys that people do regularly, they don't make those long journeys that often. So I think you have to be realistic mm. in terms of how often do I do those journeys? What's my average, you know, and um, and. Um, mileage and I think for most people um it's about 300 kilometers over seven days and this was before the pandemic now people are probably working from home more and have reduced journeys for all sorts of reasons mm. so we probably do even less than that so you know nearly every electric car on the market will do mo the average driving in one in one charge so you know you have to bear that in mm. mind I think people overestimate how much well, they well, drive yeah no, you're probably right. And there's a lot of psychology in this, but I do think it's better for us to be open oh, yeah. about what the, the actual limitations of electric cars are, because I've wanted one for years. And um, anytime I test drive one, I'm always taken aback by actually how much quicker the battery uh, loses charge than, you know, I was led to believe. I mean, I'm driving the e-golf, Volkswagen's e-golf. Oh my God, I, I, I don't even think I was getting 100 kilometers um, out of that. Now, that's fine. If I know that in advance, mm. I have no problem. I'll, I'll totally temper my my habits toward that. But um, if you're going and if you're buying, if I'm buying a Volkswagen ID4 and it tells me it's 500 kilometers range, if I don't think I'm going to be able to drive from Dublin to you know North Mayo or the Barra Peninsula, which you're not going to be doing very often, but if but I I just want to know whether I need to stop um, when I'm doing that trip in advance of actually buying the thing. You know, yeah, no, absolutely, I totally understand. I would say one other thing though is there is a knack to driving an mm. electric car, and there's a knack to getting the most out of the range. And when you talk to electric car owners, they have that down to a T. You know, you know how to mm. do it, and you do get used to it. So test driving an electric car is not the same as living with one. Um, so I would say that. But the yeah. other thing is, I mean, we do need fast chargers. We need lots more of them. We need them in convenient spots. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Because while 80% of the charging happens at home, and people don't make those long journeys that often, it's exactly what you're saying. When they do, though, they want to know and they want to have you know the reassurance they can do it and also they want just like 
the, the coffee stop or the comfort break, that's sort of a time to charge. They don't want any longer. So they're literally talking, I'd say, about you know, 10, 15 yeah. minutes is the optimal time for people, really, and no more than that. So there's a lot of improvement still. Where where are we at the moment, even roughly? I mean, I, if I look at a an available map of the public charging points in Ireland, I see a handful of 50-watt chargers, which I would be happy with, happy enough with. If, um, maybe it would take me... 30 40 minutes to to get a decent amount to so i wouldn't have to worry for the rest of my journey not so keen on the 22 watt chargers in terms of the amount of time it would take how are we fixed roughly in terms of uh the availability of these chargers yeah it's 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 patchy still and it's better in some places than it is others but it's it's hugely improving i mean there's no doubt about that um the okay. esb are investing 20 million they're about halfway through that investment at the moment they are upgrading a lot of the slow the 22 kilowatt you know the really slow uh, standard chargers mm. to fast chargers i know there were there um there's about two what is defined as a fast charger the 50 kilowatt one so they do about 80 percent in 30 okay. minutes Yes, yeah, so they're... Um, of a smaller electric car, yeah. Yeah, so they are really... Now, there are the super fast hubs as well. They're, they plans to, I think, bring in about 50 of those. They really need to be rolled out because they're the ones that do about 100 kilometers in six minutes. And that's where you start to get into the real, you know, ease of just, you know, grabbing a cup of coffee, quick charge and back on the road. But, um, you know, as mm. I said, they're halfway through that investment. There's another year, year and a half. And uh, obviously, Eamon Ryan has just announced the um, public consultation about the charging infrastructure. So that sure, hopefully, will throw up, you know, more um, suggestions and ideas about how they could improve it. Right now, uh, you may or may not know this off the top of your head. Do, do you have any idea how many, say, 50 watt charging points we have in the country? even roughly no i don't you have to check the actual maps because there's various different mm. providers so the esp provide about 1400 points but i think the vast majority of those are the standard chargers easy go yep. then have about another thousand there's then some in circle k and in apple green um but it is hard to gauge a number of it's i tend to only find out when i'm actually going on a route and then i suddenly sit down and go yep. right from point a to point b how many are there but there's a not enough definitely is the answer to that adrian and a lot of the faster ones that are being planned, I'm presuming a lot of those are targeted at intercity routes, right? And um, the, the fast chargers are the super fast hubs. The super fast hubs are going off motorways. That's where they'll be located on, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, sort of point to points in terms of uh, main cities. I think that that's what the plan is. Um, the rest of them, again, probably, yeah, around cities and outskirts. But I mean, there are the more remote areas. And I, I think this is the whole point of having... Um, the ESB provide these chargers is they're more likely to put chargers into places that aren't going to be used that often and maybe are not that profitable, mm. but still they will provide them. And I think that's one of the good things about having the ESB provide the network and having private investment as well. You yeah. can't rely just on private investment. I'm just wondering on some of the more popular routes. I mean, I mentioned Dublin to Cork, for example. I'm assuming that some decent chunk of investment is going to go into that route, roughly speaking, somewhere off the motorway. If that's the case, I'm wondering, will they ever be able to keep up with the number of electric cars? So how many electric cars do we have in Ireland at the moment? I think that the latest figure from the SAAI is about 53,000. 53,000. And how many did we sell in last year or early this year? I think I saw you tweeting some figures around. Was it a couple of Okay, thousand? last year there was about 8,500 electric cars yep. and about 7,500 um uh, plug-in hybrid mm. so by 15,000 I'd say the plan is this year to sell twice that so twice that so I'm just thinking of those popular routes if I'm setting out on a Saturday morning 
or a Friday or any day of the week from Dublin to Cork, Cork to Dublin. I'm now looking at a situation where the number of people who are driving electric cars is doubling every 18 months or so. But the number of charging points doesn't seem to be keeping up. Even if all of these fast chargers go in, it still seems to be a much more limited number proportionally than the the, the number of people who say they want to, to, to change to an electric car, which again is something that I need to consider if I'm buying an electric car. If I if I'm stop at one of these charging points, am I second or third in line? We'll have to wait an hour and a half. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things there. First of all, I think we had way too many to begin with and mm. so few electric cars on yeah. the road. So for a long time, electric car charger, electric car owners, just, you know, it was they had way too many in terms of how many were actually needed. So I suppose the numbers are now catching up. We still don't compare too badly. I think we have more than the UK per 100,000, but we've less, obviously, than the likes of Norway and other countries in mm. Europe. Um, I, and if you talk to EV owners, I think that the biggest problem is the lack of, of them actually being there rather than that they're busy when you get there. It, it's more that there's pockets around the country that just aren't served by uh, fast chargers rather than that when you get there, there's lots. There isn't much of an issue really with congestion and queuing at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. And again, it goes back to most um, electric car owners are not relying on the public charging network. Oh, I mean, look, if, if I do buy one of these cars, um, which I hope to as soon, there's no way I'll be relying on public charging points i will be assuming that i'll hardly ever have to rely on it because there's no way i would want to rely on it um because uh, because you just can't just in terms of supply like one of the big problems is trying to get one so most of the dealers that i've been to uh you mentioned kia for example the dealer i went to told me you don't have a hope for the rest of the year went to skoda no chance for the rest of this year um volkswagen do seem to have supply of some for the late this summer, uh, early this autumn. Um, any tips that I should be aware of in terms of if, 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 if I wanted to get one by June or July? Not really, to be honest. I mean, it's interesting that you should say that the Volkswagen Group are the people who actually mm. will have one. They have had to cut production by 1,200 cars a day because of um, the situation in the Ukraine. So they are possibly going to hit, be hit with far more delays than they actually have even anticipated at this stage. So that's bad news for them. No, it's, it's I've sent a number of people to various different car dealers and they've come back to me and said, no, 12 month waiting list, mm. eight month waiting list. I know people who ordered cars in August who are still waiting till May for them and whether or not they arrive in May is not definite. So, no, at the moment, it's, it's really concerning. Um, not only is it's just not only are we dealing with the impact of the global chip shortage, which is obviously having an impact on secondhand cars as well, but it's having an impact on new cars. And then the Ukraine war is actually just making things even worse. Yeah. So I, I just wonder what it will do for car sales at the end of the year in terms of EV. We may not hit those targets. Yeah. And one of the things it's definitely doing is it's lessening your bargaining power. So the quote I hear in front yeah. of me from uh, Volkswagen is for the ID4 77 kilowatt the minimum price 55450 euro and i have a car to trade in which is a diesel and they're giving me a low value for that car cuz i guess they can yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a surging demand at the moment. And remember as well, we're not seeing any of the impact in terms of the, this car sales and car sales are increasing at the moment, obviously EVs in terms of the fuel crisis, because anybody who went into a car dealership in January after, you know, reeling from the price of, of filling their tank, they won't get a car, even if they were lucky enough to place an order then until, you know, the end of the summer. So there's there's a, um, there's just a huge demand at the moment. I just 
I'm conscious that when I'm reading out that figure, 55,450 euro, if I'm listening to this podcast, uh, I'm thinking 55 grand, is that where we're at in terms of a car? Now, I know you made the point, you know, that's a large battery car. You don't necessarily need that for, for most people if you're you know, if, unless you're going to be really driving long distances a lot of the time. But even as an entry point, there are so few secondhand electric cars around that most people will be buying one new. And for, unless it's absolutely tiny, the cheapest electric car you can buy is what? About in the, somewhere in the 30,000s, is it? Uh, Nissan Leaf is 28 and the Zoe is 29 as far as I know. But then uh, I suppose what you have to look at, Adrian, and I've said this to you before, mm. is the running cost of it. So if you take something like the Hyundai Kona, which yeah. has um, a range of 450 kilometers and it has a very re- reliable range. That's mid-30s, um, that right? Is it like a, mid to late 30s? Is it? It's 31,000. Actually, they reduced the price of it last year and it's still at that price point. Even with ESB electric chargers going, you know, going mm. increasing, at the moment, if you charge that on the night rate at home, you'll probably charge it from not to 100 in uh, not to 100 in less than about nine euros. Now, if you put nine euros yep. worth of diesel or petrol into a car, you're you're going nowhere. So say thirty one thousand plus the cost of the home charger, which say it's a thousand ish. So that's thirty. So now you're thirty two thousand. What's the cheapest equivalently sized diesel or petrol car you can get? Well, if you look at the Hyundai, Hyundai again, Kona, yeah. it comes in petrol and diesel. And I think the petrol is 21,000 and the diesel is 23,000. So ten, that's 10,000. So the, the, there is a legitimate question here because you raised the excellent point of running costs, which is one of the attractions for me. I'm not going to have to put 90 quid worth of diesel in, into my car anymore. It'll cost me nine euro instead. But if the difference is 10 grand, 21,000 and 31,000, Am I actually going to make up if I'm not doing that much driving? Will I actually ever make up that difference again? Did that difference? Yeah, I think there's a number of issues here. And I think this is the biggest issue when people walk into a car dealership. It's the fact that they perceive better value in petrol and diesel because they think my money goes further. So if they mm. took that 32,000 that they're going to spend on the Kona and they put it into a petrol or diesel car, they're going to get it something even bigger again. So this is why they see it as better value. But you do have to bear in mind a couple of things. First of all, as I said, the running costs, they're cheaper to tax, they're cheap, the tolls mm. are reduced. They're the first things. Okay, it does depend on your annual mileage as to how soon you're going to recoup that money. But the other thing to bear in mind is the chances are petrol and diesel cars are going to depreciate at a much faster rate mm. than EVs. I mean, we already see with every budget, the polluter pays policy has been implemented. It's going to become more and more expensive to own and run an, um, a petrol or diesel car. And as we get closer to that 2030 deadline of banning the sale of new petrol and diesel cars, you know, depreciation is going to be a major factor with them. So I would be looking at a number of things if I was choosing a car at the moment, and I would be certainly keeping in mind um, not so much the value I'm getting now, but what value will I get in the future with a petrol and diesel car and how much is it going to cost me in terms of running? You know, it's a lot more complex just working out those figures than it's just, it's not just based on, you know, the price point when you walk into the dealership. No, although although because it's such a big upfront cost difference, um, it can that can swing things. If you were to look, buy a thirty one thousand euro car on PCP or on finance, you're actually paying more uh, to get that. Um, whereas if you buy the cheaper car, yes, the running costs are more. Yes, you're paying for petrol or diesel, but maybe there's not much difference between that and a PCP interest payment. But just on the twenty thirty thing, do you think that will happen? Do you think we'll actually ban the sale of new diesel and petrol cars? Um, to be honest, I, I I'm on 
two minds about this one because the EU have spoken about a part as part of their green deal that they're looking at a 2035 deadline. Now, if the EU impose a 2035 deadline on the sale as it's the end of the sale of petrol and diesel cars, I can't see them allowing other countries mm. um, opt out beforehand because there's the whole thing about once it's recognised for sale in one um, EU market, mm. it has to be for sale in all other EU markets. So I think that's going to make things a little complicated. So, um, I mean, Denmark tried to do this. They they approached the EU as to whether or not they could legally do it. They were told it wasn't legally possible at the moment. Mm. So Ireland is in the same situation. As it stands, it's not legally possible for Ireland to impose that ban in 2030. As I said, what I think will complicate the matter is the 2035 EU ban, I think, is more likely. Mm. Yeah, 2035. That sounds because, I mean, 2030 is seven and a half years away. It doesn't really. <laughs> it's getting closer all the time, literally. Yeah, yeah it, I, did, I seems like a tall order that we would actually ban the sale of new diesel and uh, and petrol cars. Just, I'm going to ask you one or two organic organic questions. Um, the car I'm looking at is the Volkswagen ID4. Quite like the look. It was between that and and Skoda's uh, Enyaq. Uh, both nice cars. Um, between the ID4 family and the GTX, there's a couple of differences. There's a 40 mile range difference because the GTX has four wheel drive, um, but also there's a few power things uh differences and speed differences and spec differences would you have a choice between those two um the gtx is considerably more expensive though and i'm not sure i could justify the increase you know what do you know the funny thing about that it's actually cheaper on pcp if you buy it on pcp i can't afford to spend fifty five thousand euro up front but if you get on pcp it has a 1.9 percent interest rate compared to the 3.9 for the the cheap one and it actually ends up cheaper over the term it's, it's that's that's, it's the that's only really interesting and it. that's the thing is that's the thing about pcp as well you have to be careful i always tell people to shop around and look at the apr because the apr is the true cost of borrowing mm-hmm. and yeah those you can get really good deals so that that's an interesting one to know if you're paying up front mm-hmm. i would certainly say i would stick with the regular one the other thing that i'm interested i'm wondering if you have a view on this, this is a bit out there but the gtx is four-wheel drive and it's more powerful 300 brake uh, brake horsepower which in one sense is ludicrous i just don't need that because the other one has 200 and that's will still do not 200 kilometers in seven or eight seconds but because it's more powerful it's possible that if i brake more powerfully and accelerate more powerfully that for passengers there might be the issue of nausea um, I don't know if there's, I haven't come across this now and I've literally driven all of those electric mm. cars and I've driven them with my two kids in the back of the car who mm. would be not now by any means prone to car sickness and they'd be well used to different cars, but they would, they'd be the first to spot if there was something different about it. So I haven't heard of that being an issue. And so I, I'm not sure, maybe it is, and but I'm just not aware of it. Mm. I've had an issue with nausea before. I've dr- driven four or five uh, diff- six different electric cars uh, for a period of a week or more over the last couple of years and four of them were absolutely fine and two of them there were issues of car sickness and nausea over and above what we would u- usually experience in a petrol or diesel car and in one case and I'm not going to name it it was because of the type of windshield it used because it was the, it was a particular I don't even think it was to do with the uh, electric motor I think it was because the the windscreen was was curved but it is something and unfortunately it's, it's probably not something I'll, I'll really figure out until i've actually had it for a few weeks or a few months um but um, yeah i must look into it i wasn't aware of it now adrian to be mm. honest but i'll definitely have a look into it yeah okay um lastly generally speaking satisfaction 
for people who own electric cars is pretty good, isn't it? They they usually like them. Yeah, um, I'm always surprised at how enthusiastic they are after mm. after they get used to it. I think it's a big hurdle for people. I think it's they, they see it as a kind of change in, in their way of life almost. But it's very interesting because I, I interviewed a number of people over the years who bought an EV maybe as a second car. That's what they assumed it would be. And they'd still have, you know, the sort of petrol and diesel car as their main car. But they've actually shifted to the EV as being their main car just simply because once you get over that range anxiety and you get over all of these things, the psychological barriers, I think, you really do see the convenience of them. And they're so much cheaper to run. I think that's the big thing is all of people and so little can go wrong with them because there's so mm. few moving parts. Um, so, yeah, I, I think most people are, are really, really satisfied, more satisfied than they expected to be. Yeah. Um, there, there's also a a bit of a cultural zeitgeist going on. We don't really have time to get into it, but I have definitely noticed you talk about people who are enthusiastic about their electric uh, vehicles. It's not just that. There's definitely a bit of a societal thing going on where there's a very middle class thing going on with electric cars. Maybe it's because of the cost. I don't know. Maybe it's because of the um, the, the, the technocentric nature uh, of some of them. Uh, we don't really have a time to get into. All, all I do know is that, you know, you'll know within 10 seconds when if somebody has a Tesla because they'll tell you they have a Tesla, right? Um, <laughs> But uh, and listen, we didn't even have time to get into some of the environmental issues because electric cars, they're generally good for the environment, but it's not all good. There, there are some environmental issues around the batteries, right, in terms of, you know, making them. And and and, and in many in many cases, as there are some who say that the best thing to do for the environment is just hold on to the car that you have until it absolutely dies. Just hold on to your own car. Uh, for longer yeah there, there's kind of two schools of thought on that one some people say yeah just drive it into the ground you know the environmental footprint is already there you know mm. you're better off um i think in terms of electric cars though there's no doubt about it they might be zero emission on the road but there's all sorts of, of considerations and carbon footprint in terms of the extraction the mining the refinement all of these things for the batteries and um, i think what will go um towards there there are there are there's a lot of advance at the moment about looking at different alternatives to the raw materials that are being used, you know, the lithium, the nickel, the cobalt, all of these. There are alternatives in the pipeline. The other thing as well is the more we can recycle batteries, the more that carbon footprint is reduced. And that is going to it's a very niche thing at the moment, but it's going to become huge over the next few years. So definitely, I mean, the car industry are aware of these issues and they are doing their best and doing, you know, there are great advances at the moment in terms of resolving them. Okay. Listen, Geraldine Herbert, motoring journalist, thanks very much for some really good straight answers there to a lot of questions that uh, uh, a lot of people would have. And that's all we have time for this week. So for me, Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent, thanks a million for listening and watching. And we'll talk to you same time next week. Bye-bye.